With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. It's Monday. It's July 3rd. And the word of the day is fakakta, a Yiddish word created by combining two words that both mean nonsense that means lousy, messed up, or not working. Used in a sentence, it's okay for me to appropriate Yiddish words, some of my best friends are fakakta. Okay, Noah pronounced that perfectly, but I assure you, podcast listener, if he hadn't, I would have gone full role reversal on these guys, okay? <laughs> full role reversal. <laughs> come on, come on. If Noah was going to pronounce any Yiddish perfectly, it'd be the word with cock in the middle. Right Amen, <laughs> brother. Amen. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Michael Marshall. I'm No Illusions, and broadcasting delayed from America's Far Center, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, Taco Bell tacos continue to be far more supreme than the eponymous court. British conservatives will complain that today's kids are a bunch of pussies. And we sent Eli into the field as a roving reporter, so we shouldn't have been surprised when the police showed up. But first, the rest of the intro music. Joining me for headlines tonight are my fellow skeptic rats, Eli Bosnick and Michael Marshall. Gentlemen, if you had to guess why Heath isn't here this week, what would you guess? Oh, um, so I think he's busy copy-pasting all of his favorite things that he's ever found on Twitter into like a backup Word document <laughs> so he doesn't lose them when <laughs> Eli right. drives the whole thing in the dirt. <laughs> sure, sure, that makes sense. I think he's yelling directly into the walls of the Supreme Court, like like mouth oh, okay. pressed on a cornerstone yeah. style. <laughs> I get it, I get it. Speaking of which, in our lead story tonight, the Supreme Court is all the way fucked and will remain so for at least the rest of my life. Barring the implementation of term limits, the expansion of the court, or the adoption of the minimum ethics standards that you would generally assume apply to, like, the shift manager at the Waffle Hut. But none of those <laughs> things seem likely to happen, so we're probably going to spend the next several decades in an ever more dystopian judicial hellscape where laws are continuously rewritten to advantage the privileged and hinder minorities. And we saw that in stark relief during the bigotry explosion that capped off this Supreme Court term as major decisions were announced that favored white people in college admissions, wealthy people in college loans, homophobes in public accommodations, and Christians in employment disputes. Living in this time of the Supreme Court is like the opposite of what it must be like to see a famous band when they play a club with just 20 people, right? We're on the, we're on the ground floor of the worst time in history. Yeah. I mean, that very much assumes that things can't get any worse. And what have we learned about assuming that yeah. things can't get no, worse? Yeah, no, Nobody fair. say that. That is fair. Now, honestly, like we could genuinely spend the entire rest of this episode breaking down all the shit the Supreme Court got wrong last week and still have enough Supreme Court shit to talk about to fill up the scathing episode on Thursday as well. But in lieu of me doing a lot of research, I want to focus instead <laughs> on Elena Kagan's remarkable dissent in the case of Biden v. Nebraska. This is the case that invalidated Biden's student debt relief program on the grounds that the Republicans didn't want that to happen in the Supreme Court as a subsidiary of the GOP. 
Yeah, which to be fair is the precedent set by Bush versus Gore. So this actually checks yeah. out if you yeah. think, as a decision. No, you're right. They said they weren't setting precedent, but they were. So so this decision's wrongness is remarkable in at least two ways. The, the first is the bullshit way they sidestepped the question of standing. Right. So not to get too far into the weeds here, but in order to sue over something, you have to show that you were harmed by the thing. That's what gives you standing. But nobody is harmed by student debt relief. So to even bring the case, the state of Missouri had to sue on behalf of a state debt servicing entity that didn't want to be involved in the lawsuit. Like the the ostensibly agreed party was so opposed to legal action in this case that the state had to rely on fucking FOIA requests to get all the information that its lawyers needed to bring the goddamn suit. But the courts looked at that cobbled together cardboard cutout and called it legitimate standing. Yeah, I mean, given that 303 made up the gay guys they won't make a website for, I wouldn't expect yeah. any less, but... <laughs> so Fair. what, you can bring, like, what-if cases to the Supreme Court now? Yes, like, right. Maybe Supreme Court is just, like, jumping on board the whole multiverse trend. You know, they're ruling on behalf <laughs> of an alternative timeline where any of these things actually happen. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe. But, but the even more remarkable wrongness was in how the case was fucking decided. So the biggest problem the court faced in overturning the debt relief program is that the law very clearly gives Biden the authority to do so. So rather than even try to pretend that the law wasn't on Biden's side, the court applied what they call the major questions doctrine. This is a tool of judicial overreach crafted by this court that allows the court to overrule executive agencies if it determines that their actions implicate questions of major political and economic significance that require congressional direction. In other words, because that's a little verbose. In other words, the court can intervene if any major thing has happened in either politics or economics since the law in question was originally passed. Right. Or or to put it another way, we've decided this check and balance thing isn't working out. We're going to yes. need you to run this past our impossibly broken systems or or we're going to call backsies. Like, yep. It would just be quicker all round at this point if they were just going to be completely honest about it. And just after any policy announcement, they just cut live to Judge Roberts giving either a thumbs up or a thumbs down and just cut out all right, this. Right, yeah. The charades. <laughs> Gladiator stuff. There you go. So, yeah, so in crafting this decision, the court has basically seized the authority to override any executive agency on any decision pretty much ever. And for her part, Justice Elena Kagan let him fucking know it in her dissent. She opens with a sentence, quote, from the first page to the last, today's opinion departs from the demands of judicial restraint, end quote, then adds, quote, at the behest of a party that has suffered no injury, the majority decides a contested public policy issue properly belonging to the politically accountable branches and the people they represent, end quote. Yeah. On the one hand, I'm very grateful to Justice Kagan for providing a voice of reason on the court. On the other hand, I'm not particularly interested in how Nero's violin sounded on the day, you know? Well, but what if you ripped out an awesome solo? If you ripped <laughs> up an awesome solo, you'd want to know about it. So she, she goes on to spell out in detail what a very real danger to democracy Robert's con, uh, conservative majority represents, reminds everybody of the proper role of the judiciary, and then reminds everybody that the court doesn't exist outside the system of checks and balances when she concludes by pointing out that the court, quote, exercises authority it does not have and then adds, quote, it violates the Constitution, end quote. 
The dissent was so damning, in fact, that Roberts pre-butted it in the majority decision with this throwaway line that basically says, now, you know, some people are going to say that this decision is unconstitutional, uh, but my mom told me it's because they're jealous, is all. (laughs) I attached this picture of this fish I caught on a recent trip. Um, I'm a Supreme Court justice. It's it's amazing uh, that you get to pre-butt the dissents like that. Like, well, you may over you may read my colleague describing this decision as bad and dangerous, but I just want to reassure everyone she means that in the 1980s Michael Jackson sense. So we're fine. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, terrifying term out of the court with nothing but more of them on the horizon as far as the eye can see, at least the eyes that are in their fucking 40s. And since Heath isn't here, I guess it falls to me to remind everybody that literally none of this would be happening if people could have just gotten over their bullshit and voted for Hillary fucking Clinton. Yeah. And while we're taking issue with people, whoever put that speaker in my pillow that repeats, why are you such a coward? He lives 20 minutes away over and over again. Please stop, okay? I am trying to sleep. Oh, well, all all right. Well, now Eli's admitted the actual reason Heath isn't here this week, so I need to do some creative editing. So while I do that, we'll regale you with a quick word from this week's sponsor, BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Like who to book for your skeptical convention, for example. Okay, okay. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Yeah, about who you should invite to maybe do a panel at your skeptical convention that you have. Oh no, I'm getting more confident by the second, I can promise you that. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Values, yes, like friendship and loyalty and extra loyalty. Couldn't couldn't think of a third one there? I could not think of a third one. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Marsh just loves switching, don't you, Marsh? You just love Let variety. therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Skeptocrat today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Skeptocrat. BetterHelp. Apparently, I need to be a Chinese spy. She's not a spy. <laughs> She's totally a spy. 100% a spy. And we're back. Next up in headlines in To Be Young Again news. <laughs> but nice. the, the way Korean names are spelled. You'll y- like y- it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Read no, the we, script. We can see it. The, the audience can't, but the we audience, can see how very The people no, who it's for it's very, can't, very but I assure you it's a decent. <sighs> it's hard not to be jealous <laughs> of South Korea from their incredible film and television to their lightning fast internet to their incredible infrastructure as an american one can feel inferior in pretty much every way but this week we got a reminder about their bat shit age counting convention <laughs> as a, as the country struggled once again to reverse the dumbest age old system and only kind of sort of succeeded at it the, I, I'm, I'm sorry the dumbest 
like as a guy who uses the imperial system of measurements, I wouldn't cast stones, Eli, <laughs> um, because stones weigh 14 pounds, which is 224 <laughs> ounces or one 160th of an imperial ton. Far too heavy to cast, as it turns out. 14 pounds. Oh, oh, sorry. You mean nine rolls or one uh, seventeenth of an Essex way. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> so I, I just refuse to use the imperial system as well. You know, I think it's time we decolonize metrology. Thank right. you. <laughs> Excellent. I agree. So you might be wondering yourself, wait a second, Eli, what are you talking about? Well, for those of you who don't know, South Korea's traditional age counting system considers every person one year old at birth and adds another year when the calendar hits January 1st, meaning a child born on December 31st turns two the second day of their lives. Yes. Incredible. Uh-huh. Incredible. Yes. In a system so insane that I may reincarnate Heath as a South Korean baby born on New Year's Eve as a prank whore. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, he actually does have a guy. He's yeah, got a guy. Yeah. Now, that. anyway, based on that complete and total batshittery, South Korea passed a law last week telling people to have an actual fucking birthday in order to reduce what the president calls, quote, social and administrative confusion. Right, I mean, he says that, but just wait until he suddenly has to start remembering the birthdays of all of his friends, and then he can talk to me about social confusion. (laughs) But here's where this gets tricky, okay? Most government stuff in South Korea, like drinking age and military service, already depend on what Koreans call international age. So... There's actually been pushback to this law saying that, like, one, culturally, people are used to the way they do it. And two, they basically passed a law because the Korean way is stupid and they refuse to say the Korean way is stupid. But, (laughs) But the government has pushed back against that pushback, pointing out that there's actually a bunch of not legal stuff that still gets confused all the time. Uh, The example in the article I read was children's medication, which is packaged with instructions according to international birthdays. But people in Korea mess that up all the time because they do it according to Korean birthdays. So they give a two-day-old baby two-year-old doses of medicine. Right. Uh, There was actually a case before the Korean Supreme Court about unions and retirement ages a few years ago in which a worker was 56 in Korean years, but 55 in international years. And so he sued for his retirement benefits. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I was about to say, like, who could be against a rule that makes you younger? But then I I learned that fucking South Koreans can retire at 56 (laughs) and suddenly I got it. Jesus. So I found all this like fascinating. I got like really curious. And so I looked it up and apparently North Korea abandoned this system in the 80s. So South Korea was actually behind the North on this. So for the last 40 years, as you cross from North Korea to South, you could go from 29 to 31. And as you crossed from South (laughs) to North, you could go from 31 to shot dead. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah, yeah no, no, you no. couldn't cross <laughs> no. Either way, pretty much everyone at the government level agrees a general doing away with the old terrible system is better, which brings me perfectly back to the beginning of this story, where I, as an American, find myself deeply jealous of the South Korean government. <laughs> yeah, how jealous? He typed all of this on a QWERTY keyboard, so... <laughs> And in Cat Got Your Young news, yeah, children across the UK are upturning the social order by insisting that they are cats and demanding, demanding to be treated as such. 
It's, it's a real problem here. Honestly, it's reaching epidemic proportions. Like, you could barely open a newspaper or turn on a TV talk show in the last few weeks without hearing something about it. Um, pretty much the only place that you're actually going to be safe from hearing about these cat children is in a school classroom where there remains fucking zero evidence of yes. any children identifying <laughs> as cats, obviously. Right. At least this generation's satanic panic, though, is cute. Right? Well, I mean, except that they also have a literal satanic panic in the form of QAnon, but like this one of their satanic panics is cuter than the last. Yeah. Right. It's an intersecting brand thing, age of specialists, etc. Et no, yeah, right. <laughs> now, of course, we've we've been here before. The kids say their cats discourse. That's done the, the rounds in American outrage media. And oh, then man. it went over to Australia, where they shared the same bullshit claims, but this time with like a rising inflection at the end. Um, and that was the Australian <laughs> version of it. But now it's, it's come to the UK. And so we're having to watch conservatives pretend that they really do believe that society is collapsing, mass hysteria, human sacrifice, dogs and school kids living together the whole nine yards. <laughs> I, I love that their bigotry is so unfounded that even the nonsensically exaggerated form of it could not possibly harm them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's less the satanic panic and more how I feel about Roblox. Like, I don't like it and I don't trust it, but even I've got to admit it's got nothing to do with me, right? <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> So this time around, it all seems to have started in a school in East Essex, where some 13-year-old girls recorded themselves midway through being told off by their teacher for saying that their trans classmate, quote, should be in an asylum. Um, and in the recording, the bullies say, if they genuinely identify as a cat or something, then, then they are genuinely unwell. But because this country is filled with the kind of bigots who hear bullies get told off for bullying and then side with the bullies, that whole story was quickly being used to support the complete lie that there was a student at that school who identified as a cat, which there isn't because there never has and never will be a student who identifies as a cat. Right, but... You know what it did do is it legitimized and empowered the bullies of an actual trans child, which we should remind you, podcast listener, always has been and always will be the point of these things. Yes, absolutely. Of course, none of this stopped the right wing outrage machine from clicking into gear. And the first off the blocks was Catherine Burblesing, the self-styled Britain's strictest headmistress and woman who looks like she got into Harry Potter because of the transphobia. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she absolutely does. Uh, Burble saying she, she resigned from the government's social mobility commission after claiming that girls don't like hard maths. Uh, and she also once organised for her school to get a surprise visit from Jordan Peterson. Um, but in, yeah, exactly. And in this case, she uh, explained that she has, quote, heard too many stories about kids identifying as casts to insist people are making it up, unquote, uh, without recognising that People making stuff up is one of the most efficient ways of getting you to hear about it, especially right, if they're making up something <laughs> you want to be true. Right, right. Well, I mean, I don't know any argument that works to justify alien abduction, faith healings, and the powers of astrology must be pretty exactly. sound, Marsh. <laughs> she looks like if Bellatrix Lestrange had done a semester in Jamaica instead of following Vold Lord Voldemort, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, and this is the same Burble Singh who spoke at the National Conservative Conference, a.k.a. NatCCon, um, to, <laughs> uh, to claim that there are kids right now in some schools with tails and ears 
pinned to their heads and bottoms. Like, I guess their respective heads and bottoms. It's not like tails <laughs> on the head. She's got that all <laughs> messed up. But ne- never mind. That, that aside, that aside, when pressed on where all these cat children that she's apparently heard of, where they all are, she eventually shared her evidence which were screenshots of anonymous text messages that even she introduced by saying, I don't know this person, but here is here's the proof. So apparently Britain's strictest headmistress is strict about everything except the truth. That's what right, she's not. Yeah. Jesus. So and we should point out that the screenshot is just text. Yeah. Right, there's no, you can't tell, it's not a tweet, it's not a Facebook, you can't, there's no identifying material at all. The evidence for her claim is the fact that it was once described on the internet using words. <laughs> yeah, and a podcast listener, a little peek behind the curtain here, the joke that I wrote is, she might as well have texted herself, but then I actually clicked on the link Marsh sent us, and the first response is someone going, hey, this looks like it was generated by one of those fake text message things, because it's not in the format of Android conversations anymore. <laughs> Right. So maybe she did. Yeah, right. Right. A Burble Singh is not the only culture warrior making hay over these made up muggies. The Women and Equalities Minister and the recent candidate for Tory Prime Minister, Kemi Badenoch, knows how to make the most of a fake controversy. And so she published an open letter to the regulator of all schools, Ofsted, who regulates schools in this country. And she was calling for the East Sussex school in question to face an immediate inspection. Now, did she genuinely believe there was really a cat child there? Or did the Minister for Transphobic Gesture Politics just know that this was really about a teen who was trans that she felt was a worthwhile sacrifice for her career? Who can say? Who can say which of those it was? Oh, I, I can I can say my country has way more forgiving libel laws. Pick me, Marsh. My hand is up. Oh, oh, oh. They're not that they're not that forgiving, Eli. Oh, no, nope, that's fair. That's fair. So not to be left out, the Labour leader, Keir Starmer, he was asked for his take on the issue, to which he responded, quote, it is clearly ridiculous for children to self-identify as cats, end quote. And while he's completely right, you know, because it is fucking ludicrous, um, what I don't know is whether he recognises that it's ridiculous because it didn't happen. Or whether he just thinks it's fine to throw red meat to the bigot constituency if it's over targets that don't actually exist. You know, it's fine to discriminate against people who don't actually exist. But if the logic is the latter, what he's missing is that the targets in all of this aren't mythical cat children, but very real and very much discriminated against trans kids and the trans community. Mm. Yes. Right. So, look, if if, if the policy to, is to exclude, like fucking flesh-eating space aliens and Italians. You can't justify it with condemnations of flesh-eating space aliens. Exactly. Uh, No, I don't like to give notes on air, but can you use a metaphor that doesn't imply Italians aren't flesh-eating? I'm just, I'm not comfortable supporting (laughs) that on air. Can (laughs) you find something? So that would explain why Olive Garden tastes like that. That's right. (laughs) When you're here, your family. Listen, (laughs) listen, people. So all of this, well... All of the the stuff about the cats. All of this was just yet again a a way of picking on trans kids and othering trans people and scapegoating them as part of some political point scoring. And everyone involved in this, from the newspapers to the politicians to the culture warrior celebrity head teachers, they all know it. But the thing is, unlike cat children, trans kids don't get nine lives. They get one. And it's disgusting that they've got to spend it dealing with this disingenuous, bigoted, bullying shit like this. (sighs) Amen, brother. Next up in headlines in unlikable fighting championship news. (laughs) 
There are times when it's hard to imagine that we don't live in the worst possible timeline. The Supreme Court is a history-reversing joke, our electoral system is broken beyond repair, and the billionaires in the sub didn't feel anything before they died. <laughs> but if this mega cloud has a silver lining, it's that sometimes, sometimes, things are just weird. Like this week when we learned that the upcoming fight between billionaire tech CEOs Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg may take place in the Roman Colosseum. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Guys, real men would use tigers, okay? Come on. Yeah, damn it. I mean, I was hoping for the acid pool stage from Mortal Kombat 2, so I'm just really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so, little background here. Um, democracy is Bad. Eli, you already you did already this opened bit. this. You yeah, already okay, this. fine, fine. Less background. So Musk and Zuckerberg have been feuding for a while now. Uh, many date the feud back to 2016 when a SpaceX explosion destroyed Facebook's first ever satellite. But they've been sniping at each other publicly and privately for years now over everything from the future of AI to a possible Twitter competitor created by Meta, which I have to admit I think is odd because I feel like these two guys have a lot in common. Yeah, right. Like synthetic faces that betray their clockwork origins anytime they have to portray a human emotion other than spite. Right. <laughs> or the cast iron certainty that they've never experienced the warming glow of genuine love and affection from another human being. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. But whatever the reasons for their feud, that all came to a head last week when Musk publicly challenged Zuckerberg to a cage match on Twitter. To which Zuck confirmed he's down in an Instagram post. Yeah, I mean, he would have tweeted back, but there was no guarantee that Twitter would survive long enough for Elon to actually see it. <laughs> plus, plus, Zuckerberg isn't overtly and explicitly a white nationalist, so Elon probably wasn't following him anyway. Right, Obviously, yeah, honestly, of course, yeah. how would he see it? Uh, and so, to make matters crazier, like I mentioned at the beginning, a couple days ago, TMZ reported that Italy's culture minister reached out to Zuckerberg about hosting the match at the literal Roman Colosseum because I guess they can't mail each American a literal loaf of bread and a circus, I guess. <laughs> I read that. I felt like the real cultural minister was tied up in his basement and doesn't have a goatee, right? Like this is like, this is whatever the opposite of ministering culture is. I'm sorry. This is the bizarro yes, exactly. version. The preventer of culture. Yeah. Now, I know what you might be thinking, podcast listener. Eli, if you hate these guys so much, why are you talking about them? Well, great question. The answer is because I have an amazing idea. Here it is. As soon as that match starts, a giant GoFundMe for universal healthcare is launched just above the cage. And when that amount is hit, John Cena is released into the cage to beat the shit out of both billionaires. And if you don't think we would hit that number instantly, your finger is not on the pulse of culture like mine is, podcast <laughs> listener. Get with me, GoFundMe. We can make this happen. There you go. And in green screen news. We have a story so goddamn delightful that when the news broke on Sunday night, I created the Skeptocrat script document five days early, slotted this story in it under my name, and sent a link to Eli that just said DIBS in all caps with an exclamation mark. <laughs> because that's the night that Marjorie Space Laser Green sent out this delightfully paranoid tweet. Quote, this is all an actual quote. Last night in my D.C. residence, the television turned on by itself and the screen showed someone's laptop trying to connect to the TV. 
Just for the record, I'm very happy. I'm also very healthy and eat well and exercise a lot. I don't smoke and never have. I don't take any medications. I am not vaccinated, so I'm not concerned about blood clots, heart conditions, strokes, or anything else, nor do I have anything to hide. I just love my country and the people and know how much they've been screwed over by the corrupt people in our government, and I'm not willing to be quiet about it or willing to go along with it. And real quote. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. So here's what almost certainly actually happened. Some neighbor in Wi-Fi range of Maytag's TV wanted to show his boyfriend the cute bulldog video he was watching on his laptop or something. <laughs> he went to cut, uh, cast it on the TV and he accidentally chose like Samsung 1176033 instead of Samsung 1146803 or whatever. And so her TV popped up and it said... Joe's laptop is trying to connect to this TV, enter this five-digit code, or something along those lines, right? And oh, her, um, yes, and her immediate reaction is to tweet out a conspiracy theory that the deep state is plotting to assassinate her and make it look like natural causes by first broadcasting their intentions to her television with their right? laptop. This is, this is so what? stupid. It's the stupidest. <laughs> What did she think the next step in their plan was? A, a fake cooking show with b a bleach recipe she just <laughs> had to try? <laughs> so, yeah. So, this this has real shades of that time that CBS's Cheryl Atkinson posted a video showing how the Obama administration was interfering with her reporting by making the words disappear even as she was typing, only to learn in the comment section that her backspace was stuck. <laughs> but... But lest we allow it to slip past beneath the shadow of such a spectacularly stupid uh, public declaration of paranoia, I want to circle back and draw a big fucking underline under the fact that sh her, like, I'm super healthy list includes not being vaccinated. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, A, crazy, stupid, and dangerous, and fingernails on a chalkboard for skeptics, but B... A tip off to the men in black if they are trying to kill her that a vaccine preventable illness would be the most ironic way to do it. You know? Hey, I told Noah when he got COVID, he needed to go to one of her rallies with a free hug sign. But would he listen? <laughs> and the thing is, I totally buy that the neighbor thing you're describing. That's what actually happened here. But the thing is, right. She is simultaneously one of the stupidest people in America and one of the most important people in America. So if foreign intelligence agencies aren't constantly trying to hack into all of her everything 24-7, yeah. they're not doing their jobs properly. She's the perfect target. Right, yeah. yeah, right. The only person not trying to hack into her shit was Joe's laptop that was trying to connect <laughs> to her fucking TV. So anyway, yeah, one of the 100 most powerful people in this country got a casting prompt on her TV and thought it meant that the girl from The Ring was coming to kill her at least long <laughs> enough to compose a 618-character tweet about it is how America's doing, Marsh. Wow. <laughs> uh, Jesus yeah. And finally this week, listeners might remember that on the last show, I talked about what exactly has become of Twitter.com now that Mr. Musk has made a lot of efficiency savings by cutting back the platform's moderation, its stability, its credibility, all of those efficiencies. Um, if you haven't heard that yet, maybe take a moment, go back, listen, because it was a strange, wild ride of a story. And it's a story that I thought was completely done with until that episode got published and the whole story took on a new twist that I could not wait to share with Skeptocrat listeners. 
Okay, so in a year that gave us both Tears of the Kingdom and Across the Spider-Verse, this might be my favorite part two of 2023 so <laughs> oh, far. It's so good. Because <laughs> once the show hit Twitter, it got picked up by yet more scammers who found one of my tweets where I'd said, it's wild that Twitter is just letting these scammers pay them to reach hundreds of thousands of followers. I wonder how many people have been scammed and why at Twitter support are happy to cash in. And in seeing that specific tweet, the scammers thought... Ah, right, yes. Here's a rube that I can bilk. Right. Well, now, is that because it implies that you've been scammed on Twitter before or because it implies you still think that at Twitter support might be monitored? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But either way, within minutes, my tweet was swarmed by a lot of very low follower accounts who were sympathizing with me for being scammed and directing me towards help. Like Ronnie John, uh, at the the username at Kiss. Um, who said, I'm happy I got out of this mess earlier. It's so sad seeing people being ripped off by these fake websites. Send at ShieldSafeSpace a message if you need help. Or, for example, like the user LustGirls at the username Don't Suck My Pussy, who told me, quote, quickly report the scam to Upright Recovery. They will help you recover your funds back legitimately with valid proof. Now, when lusty girls who apparently don't want their pussies sucked, tell me what to do, and I guess what not to do, because, you know, no means no and all that. Um, well, I pay heed. I listen to that. So I, I contacted both of these life-saving companies recommended by this very friendly series of bots. And didn't suck lusty girls' pussy, in case yes, I, I did you. not do that as well. That's true. That's true. And so I started with Upright Online Inc. because according to their website, they'd already successfully got back $100,000 for their very real client, Guadalupe El Nobel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just go with hats and McHats. Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay, sorry. I, I don't, I don't want to go too far off the road here, but are we not going to dig into the psychology of the hacker who thought don't suck my pussy was a good name for a bot. <laughs> Even if that's randomly generated, you'd think they'd throw that one into the no pile, right? Like, yeah. well, no, let's not bad. use this one. <laughs> So me and the person behind Upright Recovery had a little bit of a chat, uh, and they told me that if I just sent him $66, he could, quote, purchase an encrypted code breaker to extract the said scammer's address and trigger refunds. And um, they, they promised me it would take just a maximum of 27 minutes to get that done, uh, which felt pleasingly exact. Um, so oh, I yeah. asked them, you know, that's the maximum. <laughs> What's the minimum it would take? And also, do you have like a mode or a medium time you could furnish <laughs> me with? While we're throwing out numbers, suddenly they didn't engage with either of those questions. Well, I to I t numbers that aren't bullshit do tend to end in seven, Marsh, so I'm pretty <laughs> convinced. Yeah, I'm sold. And also, Marsh, uh, some of us make our living on the send a stranger on the internet money model, so, you know, watch. I'm okay, saying, that's watch fair. It, okay? That is fair. So instead, the scammer behind this account asked me, what active coin do you have up to $66 so I can generate the server's address and then you deposit into it? I thought I'd fuck with him a bit at this point because, you know, fuck this guy and everything. So because he was asking me about what coin I had, uh, I told him I was surprised that I would have to pay in coins, but I might have some <laughs> coins lying around somewhere. I think I saw some on the kitchen table or maybe I can find that <laughs> jar where I keep all my change. Um, I felt pretty sure that would let the scammer know that I was fucking with him, but he was completely undeterred and he carried on and he asked me, what active coin can you purchase? Bitcoin, Ethereum or USDT? 
Um, so I thought, well, I've got to up the ante a little bit here. So I asked him, how can I tell if my coin is active or not? Like, it's a test. <laughs> I said, I don't want inert currency. What if my coin is reactive rather than active? Um, and he assured me, he said, no, don't worry, your coin will be active. So I thought, well, I'll push it a little further. I said, well, I'm looking at it. It looks pretty passive. It's not really doing anything right now. I said, I prodded it a bit, but it's just kind of lying there. I said, if I prod it much more, I'm worried it'll slide off the table. And then I'm worried the cat might pounce on it and swallow it. (laughs) Also, I've been looking for a coin slot on my phone for an hour. I'm starting to think it's not there, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the guy on the other end in Russia is like, yeah, this is going to end in a successful scam for me. I can tell. I can really tell. (laughs) I got a good feeling. Because he still wasn't breaking and he just kept asking me what type of crypto it was. So I thought I've got to engage a little bit more and push a little bit further. So I told him that the coin that I had was a liberty because apparently it has a, a lady on one side and an eagle on the other side. And I said, I can't really tell what's on the third side because it's really thin. Um, but what had happened was I'd, I'd Googled a quarter because I've not seen many American coins. So I Googled a quarter mm-hmm. uh, and I was just describing the, the, the picture of a quarter that I could see. And so he said, well, can you send me a screenshot? So I did. I sent him a picture that I found online of a quarter <laughs> to say, this is my coin. And the fucker still didn't crack. He Jesus. was still going. Um, but then a few minute moments later, he realized that I'd been live tweeting every single part of this conversation, <laughs> screenshotting what he was saying, what I was saying. And he was not remotely happy about that. Huh. And he suddenly started questioning me. He said, why are you tweeting? What's wrong? You need to trust me on this. I'm a professional at my job and you're not the first I've worked for. I've worked for a lot of people. That's why you got referred to me. We don't force people into this. Oh, I only trick people fairly. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and if there's one thing that professionals who help people hate, it's publicity, right? <laughs> Legitimate <laughs> services need to be a secret, damn it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I told him at this point, okay, yeah, I understand. Because finding out that I was sharing all the details of our conversation publicly like that, that must have felt like a real breach of trust to suddenly feel like you're being used in that way. At which point he completely blocked me. Um, but while this was happening, I started getting responses from my second scammer, Shield Cyber Tech, who were the ones at Shield Safe Space. Um, they were very, very keen to help out. They bragged to me that they could get me a substantial recovery. They even said to me that we are very transparent which I thought was a lovely thing to say. You know, I really appreciate their transparency. So I asked them for the address of their headquarters because they're so transparent. There you go. And to be fair to them, they said, you can find it on our website, which is a link in our profile. And so I clicked through. They had a, a link in their profile, which was a link tree link. And then when you, cl- when you clicked on that link tree link, it took you to a page that listed their Telegram and their Instagram and their website. And their website was shieldcybertech.com wixsite.com forward slash my site and it had clearly been made in about two minutes it is literally true that eli's throwaway jokes and long cons have better websites than this way better way better it's about dedications the shield cybertech.com look it up (laughs) the thing is this website it did include the the address of their headquarters uh, which was listed as 4579 west side avenue Montclair, New Jersey. <gasps> yeah. So there's a few fun things about this address. So firstly, they've mistyped it. It's not 4,579. It's actually 457 to 459 on that West Side Avenue in uh, Montclair, New Jersey. But secondly, it's a real address. According to Google Maps, it's a branch of Capital One Bank. So it really does exist. Um, but thirdly, the third fun thing about that address, and best of all, was that it was a short car ride from where I knew Eli was at that very moment. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> if I know anything at all about Eli, 
he's someone you can call up out of the blue and say there are scammers who are claiming to be based hilariously close to him and Eli will absolutely immediately drive there, which is exactly what Eli did. <laughs> oh, man. You said Eli driving towards somebody. That's straight up an act of hostility. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. I, I was actually on my way to grocery shopping and called my wife to be like, food is canceled. I'm doing shenanigans. Shenanigans <laughs> is happening now. So I told the scammers, you know, look out for Eli because he's on his way. And they said, yeah, yeah, when he gets here, ask for Mr. Bilson. So they carried on going with this. They also said to me, I hope this isn't a joke because I just told our boss that we're expecting someone. Because, yeah, I guess they'd hate to be fucked around by someone who was just lying to them and wasting right, their yeah, time. Yeah, right. No, that would... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to spoil the end of the story, but I'm really hoping Mr. Bilson was like just around the corner from where I was with a free cup of hot coffee and a broken heart. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Unlike them... We weren't lying. Eli really genuinely was going to the address to check them out. And when you got there, Eli, I sent the picture, the proof of life that you sent me. I sent that photo to them of you at their alleged HQ. Um, And it was weird, though, because as you pointed out to me, there was no sign of their company anywhere at all. So I asked them why that would be. And they said, well, we're actually walking around the bank right now looking for Eli. That was a lie. They even tried to tell me that Eli had gone to the wrong place until I pointed out that it was super obvious that they were just fucking lying about this and that the bank had called the cops on them, at which point they sent me a cry-laughing emoji and immediately blocked me. <laughs> but the thing is, I was telling the truth about the bank calling the cops, wasn't I, Eli? Yes, you were, Marsh. For you see, shortly after I provided said selfie outside of the bank, like any good reporter, I went inside the bank and asked if they had ever heard of this company or Mr. Bilson. And look, in the manager of the bank's defense, English was not her first language. I was in a bank asking anything except may I take money out or put money into this bank. And I also look like me, so she immediately called the police. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, knowing Eli as I do, I feel like he might be leaving out some kind of also I wasn't wearing pants level detail here, but I, I, I don't know for sure, so I'll let it go. I said I look like me. That's implied. I was crying <laughs> laughing when you told me this, Eli. When you were, you were there live and the cops were coming i was crying laughing as he was sending me messages about this <laughs> yeah so the cops get there uh and i should point out that the first thing they say is hey this lady says you won't leave which for the, for the record is not what was happening <laughs> i was left to the moment she asked me to so i explained to them what's happening and they're like oh okay well skeptic magazine you say i've never heard of it because i'm a cop do you have any <laughs> proof and in that glorious moment, <laughs> podcast listener, I realized that I had no choice but to show them my one and only oh, contribution no. <laughs> to Skeptic Magazine, a article I wrote pretending to be a ghost who watched Brian Ego jerk off in a hotel room. Yes, you did. Yes, you did do that. <laughs> For every story Eli tells us about his life, there's an even better story that the other people involved in the story get to tell on their podcast. Exactly, <laughs> you know? yeah. So, uh, glorious work all around. Uh, look for Marsh and I's new buddy cop show in the fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, with the saddest lack of a doodly-do in Skeptocrat history, we're going to close it out there. Thanks to Eli Bosnick. Thanks to Michael Marshall. And thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on all the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening. And please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, you can send us gifts of money at patreon.com slash skeptocrat, just like all the people Heath will thank by name on the next episode. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those people, if you 
enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, D&D Minus, and Citation Needed, available wherever podcasts live. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penis. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnick of Evil Drafts on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, catchphrase sign-off. Let me get my porny voice on here. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.